I'm still excited and a little bit buzzing. I thought uh, 40 Days with Jesus midweek started really, really well. So thank you to those of you uh, that came along. It's not too late, as Patrick said at the start. So you're more than welcome to come along either on Wednesday evening or Thursday morning uh, if you're not in a small group and want to, want to join in. Quick question as well before I do get underway. Hands up if you're still okay with reading your daily devotional book. You're still roughly on schedule. If you're not, don't worry, just keep going with it. There's still a few books available as well, so you can pick up one or come and speak to me if you don't know what I'm talking about. So we're continuing our theme of looking at post-resurrection encounters that uh, disciples had with Jesus And we're looking at this wonderful story of of Jesus meeting two disciples as they were journeying uh, on the road to Emmaus. Emmaus is a town about seven miles from Jerusalem, so they were going from Jerusalem out of it to uh, a small town. And as we heard from the reading on that journey, Jesus was with them. But as they were journeying, they failed to recognize who Jesus was. But by the end of it, their eyes were opened and their lives were transformed as I was reading this passage, I, I realized it actually had a little bit of a resonance uh, with my story that I'd not really noticed before. So I'm just going to share a little bit of that because I think it kind of just uh, hopefully will, will help a number of you. Those of you that don't know, from a young age, uh, I was going to church on a Sunday. My dad became a Christian uh, when I was about seven or eight years old and I started going to church every Sunday and then uh, midweek when I was a teen as well. Uh, ended up going to the youth groups, and I absolutely loved them. I learned about God, um, heard lots of Bible stories, uh, got to know him quite well. And I had a really good time doing it. My life was pretty easy at that time. But then as I got older, disappointment and despair started uh, to creep in, particularly when I went off to university. First of all, there was a disappointment of not getting the grades I wanted and having to go to a second-choice university rather than the one I really wanted to go to. Sadly, having a nice smile doesn't give you extra points in exams. But I went away to university, and uh, I thought it was going to be an absolutely brilliant time. I thought it would be probably the best time of my life. I could live life just how I wanted. Have fun and, you know, do those normal sort of student things that you do of not working and going out and partying all the time and then trying to cram it in all at the end. And sure, there were some moments of fun, but there was really just something missing as I was doing all this stuff and going around and doing what everyone else was doing. And it kind of started to drive me a bit mad. During this time, this happened all throughout my first year and during my second year, um, all this time I hadn't engaged with, with, with God or, or with church, or with my faith at all. I kind of just sort of left it back at the home where I'd grown out. And there was one particular night. I remember I was walking back on my own and it was uh, late at night and for some reason nobody was with me. And I just got really, really angry. With, and I was really disappointed with how my university time at university was turning out, but actually how my life was turning out, the path I was on. Why was I feeling like this? Why wasn't I fulfilled and happy if I could do just what I wanted? I guess I started getting really angry, and I started getting really angry with 
God. I guess it was kind of a prayer. I started ranting at God, not out loud, but in my head to him. Prayers can sometimes be angry rants. That's okay. Read the Psalms if you don't uh, agree with me. There's some pretty, um, yeah, pretty angry Psalms in the Bible too. And as I did that, something incredible happened to me. This really clear thought, I guess we'd call it voice in my head, came. You're angry with me, so you know I'm real. Why don't you trust me? Trust what you know about me. And it came coupled suddenly with this great sense of peace in my anger. It was a defining moment I look back in my life when I realized that actually what I knew about God, what I'd learned about him growing up, what I'd experienced, that joy and that peace I'd had, I realized I tried to like push it away and hadn't really sort of trusted it. I realized I needed to be fully committed, that what I had learned was completely true and that God really was uh, with me. I knew it just wasn't just words that I'd I, I learned, but it sort of came both into my head and my heart in a way that it hadn't previously. The two got matched up. And my problems at university, they didn't disappear overnight. But hope came in that moment. And there was a way forward through them towards a better future and kind of a peace and assurance that remains with me to this day. I guess you could say that moment kind of gave me a clearer picture of God, of what I knew about him, of what I'd learned and experienced as I was growing up, of his aliveness. And that kind of just, as I was reading this story, it really reminded me of that, so I just thought I'd share it with you at the start. I think we can all have sort of a a blurred vision of God from time to time and at various points in our life. But this sort of passage encourages us and tells us that our vision, our picture of God, can become clearer. Uh, How does it do this? First of all, actually, let's look at uh, what are some of the things that can blur our vision? What can make us take our focus off God and perhaps begin to doubt him? The first of these is actually, I think, despair. We looked at this a bit with Mary uh, last week during the week or if you were here in the evening service. So I don't want to spend too long on this point. But did you notice in the passage as they were walking together, these two disciples to Emmaus at the start of the passage, tells them as Jesus comes up, first they don't recognize him, but also it said that their faces were downcast. They stood still, their faces downcast. There's definitely something, isn't there, about when we're feeling down, it can impact our thoughts and the way we see the world, our perception of the world around us. And I do wonder if that's one of the reasons why they perhaps didn't really look at and take in that it was Jesus coming up to them because they were downcast. It happens to me all all the time. If I've had a really long day and I'm tired, I can get a little bit downcast. And I'm far more likely to uh, take uh, offence at actually an innocuous comment or be short-tempered and lose patience with my children, perhaps when I shouldn't, because I'm seeing things that are not there, just because my mind is not in the right place. It can be much worse, can't it, when we're in total despair. It can be very difficult to take things in at all. 
And unless people are very good at hiding it as well, often you can see it in people's faces when they are sad and in despair. And this is what this Bible passage tells us. These disciples are in despair. Their faces are downcast. But just like with Mary, they're downcast. And yet Jesus comes alongside them. But they don't see it at that point. And along with their despair, there's also this great sense of disappointment. And disappointment even with Jesus. Jesus asks them, says, why are your faces downcast? And um, you can imagine, can't you, the tone of the reply back to the disciples. Why are your faces downcast? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that doesn't know about the things that had happened? I, I imagine them saying that sort of in a semi-irritated voice to Jesus. Like, what planet is this guy of? Does he not know why we're disappointed? But Jesus plays along, doesn't he? And he says, what things? He gets them to articulate to him their disappointment, their problem with the events that have happened. And it leads them, doesn't it, to describe the events and then declare in verse 21, but we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. These two disciples, they're bitterly disappointed because Jesus has not fulfilled and carried out the plan that they thought was going to happen. Disappointment with God, I'm sure, is something that we all have from time to time. I'm sure there's all been things in our lives that haven't turned out how we had hoped or wanted, or God perhaps hasn't come through for us in the way that we expected him to. But here Jesus gets them to articulate their disappointment to him. And they carry on, don't they? And they sort of raise their doubts and maybe a little bit of, yeah, their doubts. But also maybe there's a little bit of hope in there as well. They tell Jesus that they've heard the story already that we looked at uh, of Jesus appearing to Mary but they really don't seem that convinced by it. It seems too good to be true. I wonder if it's just me, but sometimes when I'm disappointed at something and I hear good news stories of, of other people, I try and be excited for them. But quite often I also just have in my thought, why is it happening to them and not to me? That's not just me, is it? Please tell me that's not just me that thinks that. You're all very quiet. It's not just me, okay. <coughs> but it is in the midst of all these kind of thoughts that are going on through, through their mind. I just want to say it again. Jesus, in the midst of all their blindness, Jesus is there with them in that moment, even though they don't realize it at that time. I don't know if you're going through any despair and disappointment or perhaps a bit of doubt in your life at the moment. You might not know it, but I believe if you've accepted Jesus into your life, he is there with you, even if you don't realize it. He's here with us right now by his spirit.
But how can we begin to see Jesus in all this time? How did these disciples get to see Jesus? What did Jesus do with them? Two things I just want us to sort of look at. The first thing is, uh, we can see Jesus clearly when we look at Scripture. First thing Jesus does with them, after he's listened to their despair and discouragement, is he points them, doesn't he, towards Scripture. Let me read verses uh, 25 to 27. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus says the scriptures point to him. And as he explained them and as uh, kind of we read them, we too can have a confidence in who Jesus was and is and what he came to do. And as Jesus was speaking to them, he would have been explaining parts of what we call the Old Testament uh, to them. We're lucky we have even uh, more than that. He says the Old Testament points towards him. But we have the extra, don't we? We have the Gospels which help show and describe who Jesus himself was and what he did. And the letters, the epistles after that, show and explain the impact of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection on the early church as well, the transformation that occurred and the transformation, help us to understand the transformation that can occur in us as well as we trust him. And Jesus says it's about him. We can look at that and trust it and have confidence in what has happened. Sadly, I do think a lot of... um, Christians uh, today can, can lack the confidence in their faith that perhaps we, we should have. And I really do believe the Bible can help us grow in confidence. You know, we can trust it. It is a gift of God to us. And Jesus used it on, on the journey uh, so that the, the disciples could know that they could trust and fully understand what the scriptures had said about them, that the events that happened were not an accident, but planned and ordained by God for them and for the world. That they could trust, these disciples could trust even what they just heard about him being raised to the dead from Mary. John's Gospel uh, tells us, we're looking at this passage later, but I just want to read this verse for you. It's John 20, verse 31. John says about his account, I've written these things that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And when you believe, you shall have eternal life in his name. We don't need faith to read the Bible. We can go to the Bible and read it, and it can give us, help our faith to grow in him. The Bible is there to point us to faith so that we can trust what we know about him, to give us assurance And I love the phrase those two disciples use later when they're describing what happened to them on the road. And they said, weren't our hearts burning inside us when he talked with us on the road and explained the scripture to us? And we don't have Jesus with us in person. But what we do have is his Holy Spirit with us. So I just encourage you, if perhaps your vision of 
Jesus is a bit blurred or you're feeling a bit down and disappointed, is just spend time in the Word. Invite the Holy Spirit to, to come in you, as you uh, and be at work in you as you read the Scriptures. And I'm confident that as you do that, you will, your, your faith and your confidence in God will grow and that he will speak to you in that he will point you towards him and you'll get a clearer picture of who God is and an assurance that he is with you in what you're going through. So that's one thing we can do is we can look at, uh, at the scriptures and, and read it. And the second thing that we can do to have sort of a clearer picture of, of God is simply to make sure we invite him into our lives. The second thing these disciples do, don't they, is after Jesus has explained them, is they then invite Jesus to come into their home. Let me read again from the passage. They approached the village to where they were going. Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. He was at the table with them. He took bread, gave thanks and broke it to, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They invite Jesus in and he comes in and eats with them. And as they do that, their eyes are opened and they, suddenly they recognize who Jesus is. They realize that what they've heard about Jesus it is true. What they saw happen to Jesus uh, was real and they realized that the scriptures were true as well, all because they invited Jesus in and they get to see him. We've used this picture before. There's a picture that's about to go on the screen here behind me. I don't know if you recognize this picture. It's a famous picture by William Hunt. It's painted in about 1850-ish and its title is The Light of the World. And it's a picture of Jesus standing at a door and knocking. And he's waiting for the door to be opened. There's no handle on the outside. That's not a mistake. That's a deliberate omission. Jesus is standing there, knocking at the door, waiting for the owner to open it from the inside so that he might go in. It's not this picture is based on another verse, not from our, our reading this morning, from, uh, from Revelation 3.20. And this is uh, yeah, Jesus saying, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the doors, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Kind of just sort of resonated with what happens, what's happening here with those two disciples on the Mass Road. They invite Jesus in to eat with them, and he comes in, and their eyes are fully opened. They see this risen Jesus clearly. And that offer is there for all of us, too. If we have invited Jesus in, he promises he comes in and eats with us, and he is with you, even if you can't really sense or feel it at the moment, even if you're feeling in despair and, and you're discouraged, he is with you and alive in you through his spirit. And if you haven't, you're here this morning, you haven't yet invited Jesus into your life, can I just encourage you with all your heart to, 
to do that, it will be the best decision you will ever make. It's the best decision I ever made. But no matter where you are on your journey, we can have confidence that the cross, the resurrection, show us that God is real, he is with us. We have a God that knows pain and suffering and comes and knows our despair and our discouragement that we suffer from time to time. But he comes and meets us in it and can provide a hope and a, a joy and a peace that is beyond understanding in those moments. And he can guide us through them. He can, uh, even in the darkest of places, there is always hope with Jesus. It was true for me in my dark time of life. It was true for those disciples on that road to Emmaus. Downcast, wondering, questioning. But more importantly, it's been true for countless Christians throughout century, throughout the centuries. And it's true for each of you too. Amen.